Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, and you should, or maybe you don't, you can look at that on the screen as long as I didn't give them the wrong Scripture. Last week, you didn't get the Scripture on the screen because I gave them the wrong Scripture, okay? Uh, if you, In case you were wondering, does pastor make mistakes? Oh, yeah. Uh, he makes a lot of them. And so, uh, but this week, I think we got the right one. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, and just hang out there for a second. We're not quite ready uh, to read there, but... Uh, I wanted to show you guys my plant. Now, don't be impressed. I don't have a green thumb. Okay? So I went to Kroger and bought this. All right? But I want to ask you a question. Would anybody in the room object to a seed being planted and growing into this? Anybody upset by that? Anybody mad when you plant a seed and it becomes the plant that it's supposed to become? Anybody frustrated? Anybody want to yell at the plant? How could you come out of the dirt like that? What in the world's wrong with you? Anybody want to do that? Okay, one of you, but now you're just being facetious. Uh, And so, uh, see, here's the thing. We don't have a problem with change that we expect. When you plant a seed and you take care of it and you're not me, it grows. And when it grows, it becomes what what, what it was intended to be. Amen? And so this plant, at some point, somebody planted a seed. It started to grow. It pushed through the dirt, and it became what you see today. A beautiful, small little orchid that takes one ice cube a week, okay? One ice cube a week to be what it is. But there was a fight. There was a change that had to happen from the dirt to what you see. I want you to begin to think about change and how sometimes we can be resistant to change, how sometimes we can, be, we can struggle with change. I'm not talking about superficial changes today, okay? I'm not talking about a change in style, right? Like Pastor wore a T-shirt last week. This week he's wearing a button-down. He wore tennis shoes one week and he wore boots this week. I'm not talking about those kind of changes. I'm talking about deep-rooted kingdom changes that God has orchestrated in people and in things from the moment that it was planted. We had the great pleasure and honor of celebrating the life of Joyce Story this week. She was an incredible woman of God who planted more seeds in in people and in their lives than I can count, than I could ever know. But I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to those seeds pushing through the dirt and becoming something beautiful. I'm looking forward to seeing people that she interacted with come to Christ or back to Christ. Even though she's not here, but her legacy lives on. I'm looking forward to clearing the kingdom change of a seed becoming something beautiful. We've been talking about going and being church. How do we go be church in these seven convictions that we need to live by? We're on conviction number six. The series is almost over. Conviction number six is this. If you're taking notes, write it down. We must clear kingdom change. Clear kingdom change. 
Now, what does that mean? It means that we don't hold things with our palm closed, but that we understand that seeds that were planted must grow into something if they're going to be what they were intended to be. The sanctuary you're setting in was dedicated in 1985 by a man named Troy Webb. It was a seed. He had no idea who was going to be sitting here today. But I've read his report on when it was dedicated and the seeds that were planted. And I've watched as people have come through this place since I've been here. And even the ones that I know have just been impacted by this place. And I've seen something grow out of that seed that is beautiful. But, but if we don't plant the seed and allow it to grow, if we don't clear the level of change that re- is required, if we don't allow it, we choke the thing out. And it doesn't become what it was supposed to become. If instead of caring for this plant, we never planted the seed, if all we ever did was hold the seed and keep it to ourselves, it would never have become this. And as cool as seeds are, it's not as pretty. It's not as purposeful. Okay? And so when we talk about clearing kingdom change, I'm not talking about superficial things. I'm talking about real change in people's lives, in our lives. I'm talking about real change in a body of believers who can impact a community, who can take on some things that might scare us. I don't know if, my guess is seeds don't really have feelings, but if they were, if they did, it'd probably be pretty scary to punch through that dirt. Not knowing. And sometimes for us, those types of changes can be scary. But if we're going to go be church, we're going to have to see some seeds become plants. And it might be a little scary. It might be a little rough. It might be a little hard. But we're going to have to allow it. So today, we're going to talk about that. Okay? We're going we're gonna to talk about the fact that not one of us would object to, the, to this plant being what it is today as opposed to the seed that it was when it was planted. Yet sometimes in our own lives, we don't allow seeds to become what they were supposed to be. I want you to hear what I'm saying here. I'm not talking about superficial changes in our lives. I'm talking about deep-rooted changes. Things that will mature us to be closer to Christ and become His bride. Be the church that we're supposed to be. Conviction number six is that we have to clear kingdom change. Now, i got to give you a little context leading up to our Scripture because we're not going to read all of what happens, but we're going to read quite a bit of Scripture today, but I need to give you a little context. There was this guy named Saul, okay? Saul was uh, against the Christians. He was against the people who would follow Christ. In fact, he stood at the first, at, when Stephen was being martyred, and he guarded the clothes that was, that was sitting there, and he stood in approval of what was happening. He was a leader of of everything that was going on here. And they were killing Christians. And he just stood by idly and watched it happen. In fact, he endorsed it happening. 
And so he decided that he was going to go to Damascus, a place called Damascus, and, and kind of weed out the Christians. He was going to try to get those who were following the way, which is what they called Christians, followers of the way. And he was going to drag them back to Jerusalem and put them in prison. Now, I think that was step one of a master plan to kill them all. Okay, But I can't tell you that for sure. That's just the Josh Krause version. All right, You don't trust Saul as far as you can throw him. That's what I'm telling you. All right. Yet for some reason, God saw fit to use him. And so he's on the road to Damascus. He's, he's, got his, he's got his papers from the high priest to go get the Christians. He's super excited. Him and the guys are probably singing songs like, going to go kill me some people. Going to take them in jail and beat them up. I don't know what they're doing. doesn't really matter. You didn't know you were going to get serenaded when you came to church this morning, did you? And then all of a sudden, boom, this bright flash of light. And Saul finds himself on his knees encountering a Savior that he's been persecuting. He finds himself a little messed up. He finds himself not able to understand what's happening and he immediately knows that something is wrong with him. He immediately knows that there's something going on. The light flashes, he hits his knees, he hears the voice of Jesus and he says, Lord! Because when we encounter Jesus, we know we encountered Jesus. Come on. Especially when he's saying, well, why are you doing what you're doing? Right? Mom ever walked, kids, mom ever walked in your room and flipped the light on when it's pitch black? Flip the light on and be like, you got something to tell me? And you know you just got to tell, because mom already knows. Right? Moms know everything. Mom already knows, so all you can do is fess up. Jesus turns the lights on in the dark life of Saul, and all of a sudden, he's like, hey, what have you been doing? Why have you been persecuting me? And Saul's got nothing to say. The light blinds him. And so the guys who are with him, they're not singing no more, right? They're not singing anymore. They're guiding him now into Damascus. He ain't going to Damascus for the same reason anymore because when you encounter Jesus, it doesn't matter what your destination is. What you are going to do and what, you are, what you're doing are going to be two different things. When you encounter Jesus, you're not coming against him anymore. And so Saul finds himself no longer coming against Jesus, but not really knowing what's going to happen after his life-changing encounter with Jesus. He heads into Damascus, and for three days he doesn't see anything, he doesn't eat anything, he doesn't drink anything, he just prays. We talked about mom and her discipline. See, when, when I don't yell at my kids over something they did, they just go and pray because something's wrong. They're more scared of me being quiet than they are of me yelling at them. They know when I yell, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be dad, and I'm, I'm going to be okay. But when I'm quiet, they'd rather me be mad at them than disappointed. And Saul has to encounter Jesus, and he recognizes that the life that he's led up to this point, he's going to have to answer for some stuff. He's in Damascus. He's at this house just hanging out, praying doesn't really know what's next. 
knows that he needs Jesus, knows that he wants Jesus, knows that he's going to be something, that God is going to do something incredible in his life, but he doesn't know how it's going to happen. How in the world are these people going to accept me? I literally came to kill them. I, I came to take them out. And that's where we jump into Scripture today. It's one of my favorite accounts in Scripture, and I hope by the end of the day, it's one of yours. Here we go. Let's read. Acts chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 10. It says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Now I've got to stop here because we sometimes get people confused. This is not the Ananias who did not... Uh, report all of his earnings and tried to lie and, and, and God struck dead. This is a different Ananias, okay? So I want to make sure we're clear. There's a couple, there's like three different Ananiases in Scripture. This is not the one that did that. This is a different guy, okay? So there was a believer, a random disciple. I want you to pay attention to this. This wasn't a high priest. This wasn't, a, this wasn't a, an apostle of Jesus. This was some random disciple in Damascus. It says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. What do you do when Jesus calls your name out loud? You just say, yes, Lord. Okay. You want an example of what you do when you hear a voice? Yes, Lord. The Lord said to him, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. Not the same Judas that betrayed Jesus. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. I love this part because this is where I relate to Ananias the most. He says, but Lord. Not just but Lord. But Lord. <laughs> I think you messed up here. There's a problem. I want to make sure you understand something. Just in case you've been busy and haven't been paying attention, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And guess what? I know you're busy and you're not going to believe this, but he's been authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. Anyone. Jesus, that's me. <laughs> In case you didn't know, I'm one of those people. I'm calling on your name and you're telling me to go. And I get that. And I love your heart. I love that you forgive people and that you love people and that you trust people, but I don't think I can do that. You do know who this guy is, right? <laughs> and God says to him, Jesus says to him, go. Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I like this part. Ananias probably liked this part too. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And eyes all of a sudden perks up. Yeah, Jesus, you tell him. So Ananias, being the disciple that he was, being the follower of Jesus that he was, went and found Saul. And he lays a hand on him. 
and in, 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 only, in, in the only way I know how to describe it in the most exonerative way lays a hand on him and says, Brother Saul. Now there's no chance, no chance anybody would call him brother. Any Christian, any follower of the way would have called him brother. But God knew Ananias' heart and he knew that Ananias wanted to see a seed become something beautiful. He knew that Ananias was going to be willing to allow God to change Saul. Allow the seed to become something more than what it was. Allow it to grow into something absolutely beautiful. So Ananias lays his hand on a plot of dirt that God is about to use in Saul. And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, Scripture says, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. He got up, was baptized. Here's the really cool part. He regains his strength and my guess is has a meal with Ananias. Now why do I bring all that up today? Why does that matter? Well, we don't know much about Ananias. We don't know how he came to Damascus or what happened to him afterward. Church history says that Ananias was, it was a mar- ended up being a martyr. But we don't actually know that for sure. Church history says that he goes on and does some really cool stuff, but we don't actually know for sure what happened with Ananias. Scripture, he never comes back up in Scripture other than Paul talks about him in his testimony. But what he does after this, never, he never comes back up. We don't know what led to him being there. We don't know why he was there. What we do know is that he had no problem with whatever seed God wanted to grow into whatever God wanted it to grow in. He had no problem with being a part of it. And he allowed God to change Saul. And it's because of Ananias that Saul, later Paul, is even allowed to be near a Christian. And most of the New Testament that you have is because of that moment. Because God used Saul, later Paul, and Paul wrote a massive amount of the New Testament that we have today. But Ananias allowed for there to be to clear kingdom change. Ananias was one who reaps what was sown by God. He was one who reaps what was sown by God. While, listen, there's no remarkable title that Ananias held. He was faithful to his role as a disciple. Ananias understood the assignment, and he's going to show us five actions that are required when we clear kingdom change. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first one is this. We have to be responsive. We have to be responsive. Jesus did not have to call out to Ananias more than once. He didn't say, Ananias, and Ananias is like, I'm not listening. He didn't say, hey, Ananias. Ananias is just going on about his life. He didn't say, hey, Ananias. One time. Hey, Ananias. And Ananias knew his voice. He immediately said, yes, Lord. 
What do you need? I'm ready to go. We all have one person in our life that you can, you'll call and say, hey, I got a crazy plan, and they're like, I'm, I'm going. I'm there. Right? I want you to think about that person. Ananias was that person for Jesus. Okay? We all got friends who when they call and be like, dude, I have the most incredible thing. You need to meet me here right now. We're going to get in a car and we're going to be there. And we might not agree with what they're doing. We might think they're crazy. But if it doesn't violate our faith, I'm in. Because they're always going to be in for me too. Okay? Jesus called on Ananias. That's what Ananias was. He was responsive. It didn't take any time. It's an incredible lesson in this. Ananias didn't didn't wait to hear what God wanted before he answered or pretend like he didn't hear him. He's immediately responsive. How many times in our life have we not been responsive to the voice of God? Now you might be thinking, well, I've never heard the voice of God. And okay, maybe not. Maybe you haven't heard the Morgan Freeman version of the voice of God, right? You know what I'm talking about? The Lord said, you know, everybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all awake, right? I mean, anybody else hear Morgan Freeman's voice when you think about God speaking? A couple of you, okay, all right. I just want to make sure I'm not alone in this. Sometimes I just play things that he talked, that he says, just so I, can, so I can remember what it sounds like, okay? And I'll read scripture like that. I'm not going to do it for you today. You'll have to pretend what that sounds like. You see, here's the thing, though. You might say, I've never heard the voice of God audibly. I've not, I've not heard God say, uh, hey, uh, Joshua, or hey, whatever your name is, okay? But the voice of God was read into your ears today by more than just me, okay? He spoke to us through his word today. If you think this is just a collection of random words that you can take or leave, you're wrong. This is the voice of God in our lives. There's no doubt that what God says in this word, New Testament and Old Testament, applies to us. Okay, There's no doubt in my mind, as your pastor, as a, as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I will stand here today and it will ta- I, there is nothing that would change my mind that this is the voice of God to us. And so if you've read the word of God or you've had it read in your ears, you've heard the voice of God in one way or another. So when you're listening to a sermon, when a friend speaks into your life, when the Holy Spirit's leading you to do something, you might not hear the audible voice of God, but He's speaking to you and wants you to respond. He wants you to do something about the messages that you hear. I love nothing more than for you to text me and be like, Pastor, I just want you to know that this week, that word you preached, you were right. Conviction is a gift, and I didn't want it, but here it is. Right? It excites me to hear that, you're, that you are, are taking the Word of God and applying it to your life. Even some things that I didn't say. Sometimes you give me credit for things the Holy Spirit said to you, but I didn't say to you. Right? I'm okay with that. I'll let the Holy Spirit talk to you all day long. He's better at it than I am anyways. It does my heart good because it means that you're being responsive to the Word. We should never leave this place. We should never leave this Word and not be challenged to be changed. Ever. you got to be responsive. Isn't it infuriating when you're talking to someone and they don't respond? Like, like you're not even talking to them? 
Anybody, anybody ever experienced that? You're talking to somebody and they're just, they're just staring like you ain't even talking to them, right? If you don't know what that is, if you don't understand that experience, one day I'll get you up here and you'll understand the experience. Not with you guys, none of you, but the people who aren't here today, that's who I'm talking about. Most of us want a response when we talk to others, even if it's just to acknowledge that they hurt us. Ananias is a great example of how we, resp- how, how we should respond when we're called on by God quickly and positively, ready to do whatever is asked or commanded of us. Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They follow me. They're responsive. Are you responsive to Jesus today? Are you resistant? I don't care how old you are, how young you are. You're responsive to Jesus today. We've got a clear kingdom change. It requires that we're responsive. We've got a long way to go and a little bit of time to get there. So let's keep going. You ready? Ananias wasn't just responsive. You've heard me say this already. He was exonerative. What does it mean to exonerate? It means to forgive. It means to forget. It means to, to cut them free. Can you imagine how hard it would have been? Have you ever had to apologize to somebody who didn't really want your apology? You ever been convicted and God was like, you need to go apologize to this person? And you're like, but God, they need to apologize first. I'm not the one who's wrong here. Right? And you go and apologize. It's hard to do. It's hard, especially when they don't receive it. But you go and do it and you exonerate them. That's what that means. You're, you're, you're letting them off, not really off the hook, but you're telling them that, listen, I'm going to forgive you no matter what. And so Ananias has to go in and exonerate Paul. He's got to put his hand on his shoulder and call him brother. This is a guy who came to take him to jail. This is a guy who probably came at some point to kill him. And he puts his hand on his shoulder and says, brother. Some of us have brothers we don't call brother. Much less a stranger. Some of us have family we don't even interact with because we're mad at them. If we're going to clear kingdom change... We've got to be exonerative. We have to respond to what God's asking us to do. And then we've got to go in and exonerate that that thing. To clear, it means to, to absolve someone from blame for a fault or wrongdoing. To clear from accusation or blame to forgive. And I believe God handpicked Ananias because he knew that Ananias would trust him enough and see beyond Saul's past. God had a preferred future for Saul and for Ananias, and Ananias was going to help him get there. But only if Ananias could exonerate Saul. God had already done it. God had already forgiven him. Isn't it hard, though? Forgiveness sounds great. We want it. We want it from God. We want it from others. But it's, uh, it's difficult to give, especially when we feel like people don't deserve it. Yet God says, if you're going to clear kingdom change, if you're, going to be, if you're going to live by the convictions of a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to be willing to do it. And listen, I believe it goes beyond just forgiving. To be exonerative goes into forgetting and loving the way Jesus loves. 
Now, you may not like that, and that's okay. That's, you know, we, we can differ on that. Maybe you think, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. It's between you and Jesus. I'm telling you that Jesus my, has, has really spoken to me about this personally and has asked me to do more than forgive but exonerate. We live by these convictions as disciples of Jesus Christ. And sometimes convictions can be slightly different for each one of us. But I think what we see here in Ananias is something more. If he's going to clear kingdom change, he's going to have to really forget what, what Saul has done. He's going to have to really see him as a brother, and it can't just be words. If God is going to be able to use Saul the way that he wants to, if the seed is going to grow into something beautiful, it's going to take someone putting his arm on Saul and calling him brother so that Saul can forgive himself also. I want you to see the connection here. Saul was sitting there praying blind, probably wondering what was going to be with the rest of his life. How was he ever going to face these people that now he sides with? Broken, beat up, battered. And Ananias calls him brother. None of those other things. This really is an incredible part about what happened in this story. Ananias comes to where Saul is and has already cleared kingdom change. He was responsive. He was exonerative, but there's more. Ananias was also attentive. Now, this is twofold because Ananias had to be attentive to God. He couldn't be responsive and exonerative if he was not attentive to God and what God was doing. Think about it. He could have just ignored God and went about his day, but he heard God's voice. And when God gave him the opportunity by sharing his plan, he listened. He was attentive to God. He didn't just write him off. Somebody ever been talking to you and their plan sounds so outlandish or what they're saying sounds so crazy that you just kind of stop listening? I'm convinced that if you came to me and told me, if God said to me, hey, I need you to go talk to Saul, I'm going to use him, I probably would have been like, eh, God, have you met Peter? What about John? Wasn't he your favorite? He says he's your favorite. Saul, of all the people, you could have saved Stephen. God. But Saul? That doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to pay attention to this. I'm just going to go do my own thing. But Ananias was attentive. So many times when when change goes into effect, we're quick to dismiss it because we've not been paying attention to what God's been doing all around us. I wonder, are you watching to see how God's causing the seeds that he plants to grow. This church isn't the same. Your life isn't the same as it was five years ago, ten years ago, one year ago. You remember when we were all meeting in our homes with video? Talk about a quick change. Yet, we received that change and cleared it in a kingdom way. Allowed it to happen because it's what we had to do. 
If we're attentive to God, we'll see that he's changing things. He's causing seeds that were planted years ago to grow. Even in this place, you can see this, right? Pastor Bobo leading the next-gen ministry. Paul leading us in worship. These are seeds that were planted in this place years ago. And we're beginning to see bud into some of the most beautiful things. And there's so many other stories just like that. So many other people and so many other opportunities if we're attentive. It's not just in this church, it's in our community, it's in our family, it's in our world. We need to be attentive to kingdom change so that we can clear it, so that we can thank God for it, praise Him for it. But he, Ananias couldn't just be attentive to God, he had to be attentive to Saul. He comes to the place where Saul is and realizes that Saul needs a friend. He needs to better understand the love that comes from Jesus. So he places his hand on his shoulder and calls him brother. Prays for him. Pushes him to confirm his faith by baptizing him. Feeds him and loves on him. Saul needed Ananias. Saul needed someone who would reap what God had planted and grown in him. He needed a disciple who would come alongside him, be responsive, be exonerated, be attentive. He needed a disciple who would come along and be perceptive. The next thing we see in Ananias is that he's perceptive. If we're ever going to go be church and clear kingdom change, we have to discern and be observant. Ananias questions God about Saul. He knows what's going on. He knows why Saul is in Damascus, but does not close himself off to a different understanding. He's perceptive. God's doing something here, and I need to better understand it. He doesn't just write it off. He perceives that God's doing something, and if we're going to clear kingdom change, if we're going to be a people that take the seeds and let them grow into something beautiful, And we're going to reap the harvest of this beautiful plant. And we're going to have to clear kingdom change. And we're going to have to be perceptive about what God is doing. God's doing some incredible things in our daycare. Kids getting to meet Jesus at the earliest age possible. Staff members who are connecting and growing in, in, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got some of our staff members who are leaving us this year to go into the mission field. There's some incredible things happening in the daycare. Incredible things happening with that staff. Parents who come to Pastor Sarah because they've got no other pastor in their life. And they see her as a leader and a pastor in their life to say, I need help. This is all all because a seed was planted that's growing into something beautiful. And we have to be okay with that. We have to allow that to happen and clear those things. We've got to be perceptive to know that it's happening. Ananias had heard about Saul of Tarsus and knew why he was there, but he never stopped listening to God and allowed the word of God to help him discern the right course of action. 
Ananias could have missed it. But if he was going to reap what had been sown, he had to be perceptive. The last thing we see Ananias be, worship team, you go ahead, come, is submissive. Being submissive takes courage. In the face of crazy change, Ananias saw kingdom change and overcame his fear and suspicion. The act of laying his hands and the words, Brother Saul powerfully communicated the love of God. He didn't tell him, hey, listen, because of what you did, you can't be baptized. Because of what you did, I don't want to take you and meet the other Christians. He, he poured into Saul's life. Saul's filled with the Spirit because of this moment. He's baptized. His sight comes back and the church gains the Apostle Paul. Because one man, who may as well have been nameless, we know nothing else about him except for his name, decided that he would go be church, that he would clear kingdom change, that when the time came, he would be responsive to God. When the time came, he would exonerate and forgive that person. And those people, when the time came, he would be attentive to God and to what God was doing. Attentive to the seed that had been planted because God was going to turn it into something beautiful and wonderful. He perceived what God was doing and decided he wanted to be a part of it. And that led him to submitting to God. As disciples... The conviction here is that we clear kingdom change, that we would allow seeds to grow so that we can be people that reap that and see the beauty from it. If you've been paying attention, you know that all the things that I gave you spells the word reaps. Responsive, exonerative, attentive, Receptive and submissive. Ananias reaps what God planted and grew in Saul. If we're ever going to do the same, we're going to have to clear kingdom change. Allow God to do what God can do and what God does and us be okay with it. Us not get twisted us not get upset last week uh, Stephen and Sonia Wallace stood before you and shared about what was going on in their ministry and what they do and every time they're here I think about the fact that uh, Ruth had to allow that seed to grow into something beautiful that Ruth and Joe had to allow their son the latitude to grow into what God had called him to and then to let him go and do it. Talk about clearing kingdom change. Watching your son leave the country and only getting to see him and now his wife a few times a year. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't ask you to share this, but that level of reaping of what 
she and, and he sowed into their son, what people sowed into their son and what God sowed into their son. That's what I mean by clearing kingdom change. Allowing what God is doing and what he wants to do to happen and being a part of it instead of standing in opposition to it. Sometimes we find ourselves standing in opposition to those things because we struggle with change. We have an example here in Ananias of how we walk through that. So I just want to challenge you to be a disciple that reaps. Be a disciple that receives what God is doing and be a part of it. In your life, in your workplace, in your home, in a, cha- in a quick change of plans from one restaurant to the other. Be responsive. Be exonerative. Be attentive. Be perceptive and be submissive. And watch the beauty that comes from deciding that I'm going to let whatever God's doing happen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Jesus' change can be hard for any of us. And it's so easy to think about examples of change, but Father, I want this to be so much deeper. I believe you're challenging us to change. You're challenging us, Lord, to become something. There are seeds that have been planted deep with inside of us that need to push out just like there was with Ananias. There were seeds deep inside of Ananias, a level of love that, uh, that other disciples couldn't achieve yet that was about to punch through. And Lord, you allowed him to reap the benefits of the seed and the growth that was happening, and so did Saul. Lord, help us to be people that clear kingdom change, that manage ourselves well when you're doing something different, when you're doing something outside of our normal when you're challenging us and changing us through your word, help us to be people who clear kingdom change, to live by a conviction that whatever seeds, God, you plant, we will be a people that reaps the benefit of those seeds, Lord. Your word this morning, that we would understand the benefit Father Ananias understood the assignment. Help us too. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org slash Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.